Alright, for this month's Ritwit, I decided to enlist the help of my niece and nephew to do the theme song with me. So let's let's get this thing rocking, shall we? The Ritwit! <laughs> the Ritwit! The Ritwit! The Ritwit Podcast! Ah, uh, thanks for the help, guys. You're welcome, Uncle Max! I'll, I'll take that as a, you're welcome. Okay, I'll be sure to thank you guys in my Grammy acceptance speech. Well, now that that's over, we at the Ritwit have an announcement. David and I here have totally sold out, and we're going to start doing these ads now for our favorite products that we either made or have been paid some handsome money to advertise. This episode of the Ritwit is brought to you by Ritwit Inc., our specially made ink solution. Tell us about it, David. Are you running out of printer cartridges? All the time! Perhaps you like the old-fashioned method of writing with a quill on parchment. Maybe you've only upgraded to the more modern cousins with paper and pen. But here's what all of these resources need. Ink. Deep in the largest freshwater lakes among the Rocky Mountain region, we find the best product for our Ritwit ink. If you'd like to try a sample, it's only $7.99 a bottle plus tax and insurance fees. Why insurance fees? Because we help you start making your own supply. We provide you with specially bottled Rocky Mountain water and a live squid to scare into making its product. My goodness, a live squid? Yes! As a one-time only benefit, buy in the next 15 minutes and we'll even provide you a step-by-step mixing guide for your very own Ritwit ink at no extra charge. Here's the secret. It's only one part water to three parts squid product. Ooh, I like it. And that also means that if you mess up and the squid gets accidentally electrocuted by computer wires or something, you get some free Calamarius consolation. Indeed. Try your Ritwit ink today. Guaranteed to make your writing look bolder and better. Beyond printer cartridges is our favorite ink. The two twits of the Ritwit are not responsible for any spillage, defective mixtures, bodily injuries, or severe harm or poison injections incurred by handling angry squids. Please consult a doctor immediately if you get bitten. Unless if your neurotoxin is involved, in which case consult a mortician and loved ones for any last-minute family issues or conversations, and perhaps a lawyer to discuss your region's life insurance policies. Please use responsibly. Approach life squids at your own risk. Good job on that. That must have been a handful to say. Ah. <laughs> uh. Oh, by the way, where can people contact us for that? Oh, here we go. It'll be, um... Uh, 1-800-555-RITWIT. There we go, that's the classic answer. <laughs> I figured that if they're going to get this stuff in the next 15 minutes, they better have some way to contact us. That is true. And not Try. just the email that we have at the end of every podcast. Try our toll-free uh, number, 1-800-999-8564. That's probably someone's real number. You always have to use 555, remember. Because that's the only Welcome, one fellow so. nerds, to another episode of The Ritwit. Okay, fine. Welcome, fellow nerds, to another episode of The Ritwit, <laughs> the show where a part-time barista and a working abroad music major have delusions of writing grandeur. But we're still better than you. Indeed. <laughs> All right, I'm Matt Donald. And I'm Matt David. And that was our new attempt to be funny, I guess. The, uh, no, the it, was an, it was an advertisement for our legitimate Ritwit Ink product. I tell you what, man, you should see the stings that I've gotten from these angry squids. I'm not kidding you. If you if you get stung, talk to a doctor. Anyway. So how big are these squids? I haven't seen one of them. Are they like like little or are they like krakens? Uh, well, you know, krakens, we, we'd have major liability problems. So, you know, they're, they're just, you know, smaller. So like a foot long. Yeah. Like yeah we we kind of, yeah. we, we kind of focus on getting them from as close to the source of the water as we can, because that way mm. you don't have to you spread your search too far to find them. So are these Rocky mountain water squid? Because 
Well, I How's don't that? know. I don't know if they're in Rocky. Are there freshwater squid? Well, I guess there are now. Okay. Well, I guess we're we're making Ritwit Inc. So I guess we're making freshwater squids happen too. I don't know. Oh yeah, we have a genetics lab somewhere in the deep in the Rocky somewhere. Mountains. Yeah, no, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Anyways, all right. Now that we're done with that, we've already wasted enough time. What are we gonna rip off this month? <laughs> well, I've been rereading the uh, seminal series, The Chronicles of Narnia, and one of the things, one of the well, the, one of the books that I've read, of course, was a very inter- had a very interesting storytelling tactic that I would like to rip off in some story of mine in the near future, and that is this: okay. the horse and his boy, with third right. book chronologically in the series. If you want to think about that, it right. involves two human travelers coming from the south or uh, southern parts of the world to Narnia, which is in the north, and. There's this. Oh, major... Narnia is just the northern part of the fantasy world. I didn't know that. I need to read these books. You've never read the books. Of... Never mind. Anyway, I'm a writer. I'm a professional <laughs> author. Well, you're a part-time barista and a published author, <laughs> and I'm an English major. <laughs> anyway, so these two characters are coming coming towards Narnia, to which is more which is more in the north than they are. And they have this major adventure where they get separated. And it essentially puts them in their more, uh, use quotes here, natural environment to get two halves of an essential story. So the boy is actually from the North. You find that out. Okay. In the, sorry, potential spoilers, but I won't tell you what For a 50-year-old book. <laughs> yeah, but what he is from the North, I won't tell you. Okay. Anyway, he's from the north, and he ended up in the south, and so he's going back home. Well, let's just say that he fell in with people who happened to be from the north, except he was being loyal to his group, and so he left them to be back with his group again. Okay. Meanwhile, the girl was from that southern country. She was actually... Is the girl the horse? Say, leading... No. I wonder if the horse was... and two horses. Oh, I thought you meant these two characters were the horse and his boy. No. Aw. Well, it's Narnia. The horses can talk. Yes, but not in that country. Oh. Anyway. That's confusing. No, well, if you read the books, you'd understand. But the point being that they put this girl who is basically like gentry in the country she's from, they put her in a situation that allows you to see the other part of this story that both of them need to know. And eventually when they come back together... She brings her piece, he brings his piece, and boom, the puzzle fits together. And wow. I really like that storytelling tactic because it means that you don't have to, you know, heaven forbid, change focus characters that we're not already caring about. And mm. it definitely saves time, you okay. know. Oh, that makes sense. If you can use it well, which I really appreciated in that. Well, I do like flipping back and forth between perspectives, as you probably know from my writing, but... Okay. Well, and I do too in certain pers- in certain places, but... Mm. I don't know. I guess it makes sense that the horse wouldn't be the girl because the horse and his boy. If the horse was a girl, it'd be the horse and her boy. There are two horses. What? Okay. There are two horses. The the title horse and the boy. But then the other character, the one I mentioned, is a separate girl who also has a horse that is also from Narnia. I don't know. Anyways, well, that sounds interesting. Um, anything else we're gonna rip off? Or uh, it doesn't look like it here. Um, you you've been you've been pretty busy lately, so. Yeah. Um, you know, well, we mentioned somewhere around episode, was it three? Continuing uh, and all that stuff. You have to make it a priority. 
And we, while that, I really love writing, mm-hmm. I really I really enjoy it. But right. it definitely takes a lot of mental capital after I come home exhausted from a day of work. Right. So I haven't done it much lately. Well, that that's fine. Um, that's how a lot of people are. So it's nothing to be ashamed of. You'll you'll me. hear more. You'll hear more about that when we talk about what we the writ would have writ. All right, cool. All right, anyway, so what I'm going to rip off from this month, I recently rewatched um, with a friend of ours who I think we've talked about in our podcast. He's one of the guys who we're going to collaborate with, uh, we have been collaborating with in our um, podcast, um, uh, Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas. It's a um, it's DreamWorks Animation's last 2D animated movie. It's their last hand-drawn cartoon. Uh, I've always been a really big fan of this one, and I really like it still. Like, it's it's super creative. It's got a lot of cool creatures that Sinbad fights and they're a really cool design. Like, there's this giant bird called the Rock, but it's, like, white like an owl, and it can crawl like a bat. So, that's kind of cool. And like, Interesting this... mix of features there. Well, they do <laughs> like to mix them all up. Like, the, this this squid called the Cetus, right? That, like, attacks, which is the Greek kraken. Um, but, and actually, in the original story of that class of times is based off of Perseus used the Medusa head to turn the Cetus into stone. However, I understand why they changed it to a kraken, because release the Cetus does not sound quite as epic right so well cetus doesn't that i mean you would know mr wildlife of tomorrow but cetus it means whale by whale it means whale yes um i mean it is impressive in its own way but i guess a kraken you can use the tentacles more well the cetus also has tentacles so (laughs) what (laughs) so yeah but this one it has like tentacles and then it has like a chameleon tongue that snatches some poor sailors with has like crab like legs and has fish fins it's really cool um, oh, I also like just goodness. the fact that it's like a fantasy road trip. I love those kind of things. I love road trip adventure stuff. I'd love to write a, like a fantasy or sci-fi road trip sort of thing where you just go from exotic locations and like a series of them adventures and stuff trying to get to the end. Uh, I think it'd be kind of fun to write. Um, I'm just kind of trying to wonder, maybe you did a little bit of that in the previous version of Megazoic. Oh, I, a little bit. Oh, I did that. When, uh, when oh. they went to Rhea and all that. That wasn't really... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, oh, back then, yeah. Oh, that was great. Oh, well, I met, although, so speaking of Wild Tomorrow, I did do it. That was kind of, the first one especially was definitely a road trip sort of thing. So I'm like, okay, let me say, I'd like to write another road trip. So, hey, you know the collaboration universe would be a great place to, anyway, Joe. You know, maybe we should do an episode where we talk about all of our projects that we had written in the past. We keep referencing and none of our listeners have any idea what they are. <laughs> like... I think we mentioned Wild for Tomorrow like four or five times, and I still think we ever explained what the hell it is. Well, I, I believe we had we had a very good friend of the podcast who did a pre-review of our pilot and said, uh, you know, give elevator pitches. And I think we did give elevator pitches for a lot of the stuff. I don't know if all of them have received well, okay. that, that treatment. Maybe. But Maybe we should do still. an episode that just to talk about our embarrassing old stories just to say, you can get better. Like... We, <laughs> Like, we were better than idea. you, but at one point we were worse than you are now, so... I don't know. Anyways. I also, um, I didn't see this, but I've seen other reviews of it, and I always like... I don't mind spoilers, so I know exactly how it ends. I heard about that new Mummy movie with Tom Cruise, and it sounds like it's pretty terrible. I mean, I know Formula One opinions and such, but, like, everything I've heard about sounds pretty bad. The best part about it apparently seems to be the guy from one of my previously favorite shows, New Girl, and Jurassic World. He's in it. He's, like, the sidekick to him, and he's always very charming. It, that sounds good, but, like, other than that, it's, like, it's like a mishmash of stuff. It's, it tries to be, like, scary and funny and action, like, all at once, and it doesn't really do any of them well. Like, you can have all three of those, but just do them well. Like, I don't know. I'd but, say it's probably better to pick one in, spe- in special well, like, in it. 
the Mummy movies back in the day, the ones with Brendan Fraser, the first one was more horror, right? And, but it also had a lot of humor. But the way it did it, I think, was well. Like, it didn't mesh it all in at once. It just started off as, like, a rollicking adventure with humor, but then once The Mummy was released, it became more of a horror. It had a natural point where it tipped. So, but this seems to kind of have it all spread apart. Um, uh, and But, like, mishmashed together. But also, here's one thing I'll give it uh, props for. I'm, this isn't really what I'll rip off, I guess, but just, I guess, rip off... Do your bloody research, guys, is what I say. So they actually use the correct god of evil. Uh, the, the mummy gets her powers from Set. A lot of people think that Anubis is the god of evil in Egyptian mythology, but no. He's, no, he's not. He's the guy who prepares for the afterlife. He's the ancient Egyptian equivalent of St. Peter. <laughs> he basically weighs whether you're worthy or not. I right. think there actually is the symbol of a scale. But no, right. Set is the, the major, like... Right, and I think that the, the Mummy Returns, the, the second Mummy movie with Brendan Fraser, that did use Anubis as the god of evil, so that's one improvement. They that used the correct guy, but, eh. What can you do? It's not doing too well. Apparently it opens with the Dark Universe logo, because they're trying to set their own shared cinematic universe with this. Well, good luck, I say. <laughs> this is a great good start. Good riddance. Crash again, burning. Too many, we have like, too many of those collective universes things. Well, Marvel did it, and everyone's like, oh, it can't be done. Then Marvel did it, made lots of money, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, we gotta do it, we gotta do it. That's always how it works. Follow yeah. follow the money. Apparently well, Wonder Woman is true. doing really well, so maybe DC's back on track. I'm gonna see that tomorrow with a friend of mine. So I'll, I'll let you know next month if that's any good, and if I'm gonna rip anything off from it. <laughs> very true, very true. All right. Are we ready to move on to the next? Yep. What we at the Rit Wit have writ. So what have you writ, David? (laughs) Well, I mentioned a couple episodes ago my idea that I'm calling Pulsar, and I'm still plugging away at that. Mm -hmm. I've got bits of two episodes going, and I have added some to the opening episode. I've not yet completed it, but eventually it will happen. And by eventually, I mean if it isn't done by July, and I don't tell you I got it done at that time. People can, you know, throw internet stones and the equivalent of that at me. Cause I yeah, like, send it. us but, emails and be yeah. like, get it done, damn it, or I'm not going to listen to you guys anymore. Because we have so many listeners, it'd be a shame to lose all of yeah, them. Yeah, we don't want to, we don't want to, whatever, whatever motivation. There's, a, there's no reason to exaggerate, actually. We have very few listeners. We have so few listeners. We don't want to lose any. It's precious. <laughs> well, other than your mother, who's always been there for us. But anyway, I have also been uh, workshopping one of my other projects with a co-author. I tell you, I told you about Starburst before, right, right. Uh, giving you the elevator pitch for that. And mm. so we've done, it, it's been in the other co-author's hands of late. And so I've been workshopping with him on it because I okay. have more experience writing creative stuff than he does. And so we've been trying to, you know, come together and right unify the tone and all that. So I have been doing that kind of stuff as well. Okay. You know, as I mentioned, it's not it's not easy to write if you don't make it make it important to do it every day and I right. just have not been doing that lately. So there really isn't much, you know, there really isn't much product to come from being well, for lack of a better term, lazy. Right. However, I do randomly come up with like lyrics for just random like poems and songs and and, most of them are pretty depressing i hear (laughs) well some of them are but you know sometimes i just by the way um, brilliant idea and it works pretty well right by the way um just in case the listeners don't hear it what's that tapping on your end the tapping on my end i I just keep hearing like a weird don't worry too much about that listeners if you can hear it they're doing construction like 
pretty much right outside my window. It's really but, annoying. Yeah, well, like I, it does look sound like Hawaii. So I just thought we'd mention it just so in case if we don't, then it, people hear it. They're like, "What is that?" Like, well, at least we know we acknowledge that it's there. Anyways, yeah, uh, it is. It is there. Well, enough about my stuff. What have you at the writ writ, writ recently? I think that works. I don't know that that. That title was the worst mistake we've ever made. <laughs> I, I, I love the thing, though. It's Well, I mean, if you change it, it becomes really complicated. But No, but uh, I also kind of like that it's bad. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's fun to stumble. All right. All right, anyway. What have you done? All right, so I have written uh, the Kavorian prequel. This is the prequel for our collaboration that's about my solo, my first solo outing as a character and what makes me a hero. Now, one of the things I struggled with before writing this was like, because this is a, a, a technological civilization, this is a technological character. How do I make this different from Megazoic, right? Um, sure. Like, how do I make the world different? How do I make the main character different? Well, one of the things that's different about Kavorian as opposed to Cortan, which, if you want to know more about Cortan, buy my book at Amazon.com! Just search Cheap Megazoic! plug! <laughs> Wink! Anyways, so... <laughs> add, the, add the ticker sound effect. Tink! <laughs> I, I might need to just make a... put a sound effect and just insert it there. Ding! All right, nice. <laughs> Alright, so, first off, Kavorian is a soldier, first and foremost. Um, he's a he's an atypical soldier, but he's still, he very much likes to get in the thick of it, and he likes to help, and he's good with that. Also, the technology of the world is not nearly as human-y. Like, I, I kind of envision, the, the, especially for the, the dinosaurs, right, like, the, the, their technology, except for the terrain technology, their tech is supposed to be, like, for humans, what humans might have in the 22nd century, 23rd century. So, like, advanced, but nothing too outrageous. Like, they still have guns, they still have bullets, they still use metal, they still, like, use all this stuff. They don't have anything super crazy, like lasers and portals. Now, there is a portal in Megazoic, but it's created by Tyrannian tech, so... But this, with the Kavorian prequel, I go much further out. Like, it's like, I I, I use the word Krypton-esque to describe it here, like, like Superman's home planet, right? So, that's like, in terms of structures, it's like... It's very beautifully designed. There's a lot of clothy stuff, like banners and capes, you know, just sort of to make it look like a, a futuristic Rome, right? Or, like, something like that. Just make it look more grandiose. But they also have... I don't, I don't say they have guns. I call them blasters. So, like, the whole, like, pulpy sci-fi way. Uh, they oh, have, course. they have like, warping and teleportation. Traditional uh, space opera stuff. Yeah, it's much more space opera-esque. So, that's the main difference. Oh, yeah, the fact they go into space at all is different. Uh, I've avoided that thus far in Megazoic. Um, but, so, uh, also... Quick, um, quick non-spoiler alert. Mm. Will you do that in later in your story? I... Quick non-spoiler answer. Middle finger. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 quick non... <laughs> Alright, well, you know, that's a question that... You really got me in a, in a corner here, Matt. Because I feel like if I say nothing, then people are like, Oh my gosh, she's going to space. Or if I say one way or the other, then I'm just doing a spoiler. So, I'm going to say... Here's your non-spoiler answer. My non-spoiler answer is the next book is totally going to be a space opera expanding multiple galaxies. Am I lying? Who knows? Let's move on. <laughs> so. I, I was going to say the non-spoiler answer is, well, in that universe, there may be things that go into space. There is may it this be. character? Keep reading to find out. We keep reading to find out. Anyways. <laughs> so. <laughs> Alright, so... <laughs> You made me lose my train of thought, David. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you're talking about space opera and how oh, right. okay. space about. is So I'm, I'm also reusing elements from an older stories of mine, one of which was from an older version of Megazoic, right? Where um, well, it was much more space opera-y, and there was this alien race called the Zlur that were the bad guys. Zlur. Z... 
X L U R. I couldn't even spell my own fantasy word. It's four letters, but it's four confusing letters. You know, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a quick time out on what you're talking about here. I just find it amazing that you love choosing letters that are so rarely used for your villains. Like you have the Zlur, that starts with an X. Then we had the Zellum, that was a Z, and then the Quizon, which was a Q. <laughs> I'm much better about it now than I used to be. The Tyrannians, <laughs> King, King Dranex. I, mean, I guess it ends in an X, but I don't know. All right, sorry, go back. The Zlur also it, it's not only a Z as a Z well, sound, it's, it's a, a Z, Z sound, but also has an L right afterwards. Yeah. Oh, and the things that we did with that. You should, well, I don't know if they'll ever read the old Megazord, because I don't think it'll see the I light might, of day. But... I might do segments on it. I might post segments of it. In that future episode where we explain all of our stuff, which could, we should totally make that a thing. I uh, think we should, but... but <laughs> no, no but... I think I think there should be, like, a segment on um, spelling, spelling <laughs> your villain. How many points does it score in a Scrabble turn? If it's a lot, then you're good. <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, I was specifically thinking about that one character and how his quote-unquote race changes so many times. Right. Like the portmanteaus that you did. Oh, right. <laughs> I remember now. Zockler, Zocker, Yuzok. The, okay, I was going to say, the main one, not the main villain, one of the villains was named Zeno, spelled X-Z-E-N-O. I was like, oh, Why? Zeno, like Xenophobic. Why listeners? Or no Zeno. Idea. Like Z-E-N-O. Why not mix them both? And the point of this, all listeners, is that he could never make up his mind. <laughs> but I eventually did. I eventually wrote a new one, and it's published now. So I have no reason to write another version, except that I do, and I'm working on it right now, and that's what the sequel that's going to be all space opera is me about. Am Wait, I lying? Who knows? That's another, version? <laughs> that's another version of Megazoic now? Yep, I am. It's, um... Ugh. I'm sorry. This is derailed very quickly. Just basically, this is an old idea for this race called the Zlur, and I'm using it in the Kavorian prequel. You can use... I'm fine recycling old ideas from stories that I'm not doing anything with. As long as, like, it's an idea I'm not doing anything with. Like, if it's like... Yeah, I mean, if you're not touching them again, then why not? Like, if I write a completely different series in the future, and then I just suddenly throw in a Tyrannian in there, people might be like, what the hell? Right. I mean, if you're not... If you're not doing anything with it, it should be fair game. It's an idea you had somewhere else, and if it's good, why not reuse it? Right. I think so. And so, yeah, these are, like, I didn't think this fit, like, in the old version. Like, in the old version, it there's a lot of different, it wasn't just the dinosaurs, it was a bunch of different other races, and it was a fantasy universe sort of thing. It allowed a lot of creativity. I've talked about this before, but um, it also, uh, it just, it ended up ruining what I wanted to do in the first place, which was make a dinosaur. It became a a sci-fi fantasy story that happened to have dinosaurs rather than a dinosaur story that happened to be sci-fi, which is what the new version I'm trying to do is. So, uh, but, so a lot of them races I've, I've taken over from other things because it does they don't need dinosaurs. One of them is a slur. They're like these robot scorpions. So, I think I've talked about them before in another podcast. I believe uh, you mentioned them before too. Anyways, I'm using anyway. them in this Kevorian prequel. And speaking of Megazoic, this brand new version I'm doing, which is a brand new version and a brand new continuity it's also a sequel. <laughs> uh, wait, that joke fell flat in his face. <laughs> um, uh, well, you know, okay, I'm like Michael Jordan. I, the reason why I make so many good jokes is because I also miss so many good jokes. <laughs> Just keep what shooting about them something out. About, something about the ceiling is the roof? Something that Somewhere. Michael Jordan actually said? <laughs> yeah, something about how he was like... Um, he, the reason why I kept making the most shots in NBA history is because he missed the most shots in NBA history. And that's the same with my jokes. <laughs> uh, well, 
Okay, we'll quibble on sports trivia facts on a different podcast. But anyway. <laughs> All right, so I'm working on the sequel to Megazord. I think I'm going to reveal the name of it once I finish it. I'm more than halfway done at this point. So that's um, it's pretty exciting stuff there. Um, Not really much else to talk about, though, except that uh, last episode I mentioned that my illustrator, is. I mentioned her name. I didn't know how to spell it. I can confirm. I spelled it. You didn't I know. Pronounced it. It's not spelled. Pronounce. <laughs> I was about to say, what is this about spelling? You can't I, I, see that. Yeah, I spelled her name in perfect... <laughs> I pronounced it correctly. It's Natasha. Congratulations! Crack. Here is your golf clap. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. I, I, I definitely earned this. It's nice to have someone clapping, <laughs> clapping to me. You realize how much I miss that. Everyone hates me. It's nice to get those little moments of appreciation to be like, "Hey, Matt, good job." <laughs> Well, and something else to throw out, too. I mean, you obviously published Megazoa because we talked about that last time, but at this point, you don't really see much of the people who are reading your book, right? I know. At this point, there's people reading it that I don't know of. Although, again, I still haven't gotten a negative response. I haven't even gotten a, oh, it's fine. Everyone who, I've, who has read it has really loved it. Like, one of my coworkers, her kids are going nuts over it. Like... It's overwhelming, honestly, and I'm really scared about that negative review because it's going to happen. The first negative review, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. But at the same time, that also kind of encourages me that right now the problem isn't whether or not people will like it, but how do I get to for people to know that it exists? So, yeah, absolutely. Which is working. definitely not a thing to talk about in what we the writ writ have wit. And we've wasted so much time already, so let's talk about well, our segment. You didn't, you didn't mention anything about how I screwed it up, thank you. <laughs> what we what at the Ritwit have, have, have writ, and what it's we over. at the Ritwit have t- wasted time. I don't know. <laughs> well, we always, been... us two twits always waste time, but anyway. Well, um, even though we're better than you. We are better than you. We hold on to that like it's a treasure. All right, anyways, anyway. The real antagonist of this show is filler, isn't it? <laughs> I would suppose so. I was wondering who was going to do the segue. But, you know, all the Okay, what was your segue? I'll let you do your segue. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you for being so kind. I was going to say, but, you know, we write stories here, right? And, you know, we talked so much about these characters we like following, and those are obviously the people we should care about, right? Right. But that's only half of the story. The other or half, maybe... a very important part of the tale, is the people that are against them. The antagonist. Right, right. So, and sometimes it's not even a character, but we'll get to that, so... Well, I was uh, about to say, why don't we explain a little bit here about different kinds of antagonists? Right, well... The, Which the is our actual topic. Right, right, right. Our topic for this week, yeah. Um, this month. Why am I... So, why is that so difficult for me? Because I don't even want it to, it to be weak. I don't, though. This is so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyways. So, um, this month... Our topic is types of antagonists. Now, antagonists is such a broad topic, it needs to be split into multiple episodes, and like this. This we're not really talking about here about what makes a good villain or what like what how to write them well. How to write them well, yeah. So I'm like, this is more just like how to, to categorize them so we can figure out for your kind of story that you're writing what would work best. So there's many different ways to for a character to to provide conflict for another character. Like the Speaking and this, uh, okay, uh just a quick interruption to think about Different uh, multiple ways to skin a cat. Speaking of a very famous antagonist, how about multiple ways to skin a dog? Oh, Particularly what? one that's dotted. Oh right, I see what you're talking. About. At first, I was like, "What the hell kind of horror <laughs> show are you re- you're talking about?" Oh, and then you're talking about a Disney movie. Okay. 
I'm glad you caught on. You know but there's you going know. to be a, a prequel <laughs> with Emma Stone as a young girl de villain. I'm like, you know, you could just not make that Disney right. <laughs> like, <laughs> that would be perfectly fine. Don't like, we don't Emma need Stone to see me, Cruella de Vil origins. <laughs> don't, don't ruin Emma Stone for me, Disney, please. Uh, anyway. It'd be damn difficult for us to ruin Emma Stone. Even when... Okay, I haven't seen that film, dang it. Ugh. I'll just edit that out. <laughs> or not. What? Well, let's see. Or not. Who knows? All right, types of antagonists. All right, so first one right. we've got here. Uh, I uh, Usually, you know, you read your silly list, but I'm going to read my silly list now. So feel free to interject in the comments list. as you will. So, um, sure. All right, the first... All right, what I'm starting off with here is characters who are evil, like evil incarnate, but mainly their relationship to the protagonist. So first off, i got an evil overlord who has no personal connection to the protagonist. Their only goal is take over the world. This is really common in high fantasy and sci-fi. These are like mm-hmm. characters like Sauron or the White Witch in Narnia that I haven't read. At least I think that's what she is. Who knows? <laughs> I haven't read it. Um, I would argue that she doesn't have a personal connection to the uh, protagonists. But she definitely has a personal connection to Aslan. And... So. Right, but, that's, but Aslan is not the protagonist of that right. book. Right, so it's more like the god versus the devil, quite literally, actually. So, well, if um, you look at the symbolism, it is. But anyway, moving on. All right, so but then like Palpatine and Star Wars, Darth Vader does not count because he has a fatherly relationship with Luke. He probably counts the he counts the first one, I guess, uh, the one before he found like the first Star Wars. The one before he admits, "I am your father." Right, but J- Grandma Tarkin in that one definitely probably counts too. He she, he doesn't care about anyone. He doesn't. Although, like, who's this is Luke he... fellow? I don't care. I just well, just, well and fire. this is. This is perhaps not like types of protagonists, uh, types of antagonists question, but how many antagonists are you talking about? Does it have to be just one or not? I'm assuming the answer is no, but... Just like the central antagonist, because of course a lot of stories, particularly like High Fantasy and such, they have multiple bad guys. I'm really that bad about fair. this personally. I always like to have one bad guy. <laughs> These are the kind of characters that like, they don't really care about the protagonist. They're just there to conquer the world. And the, char- the protagonist only stops them because he's the hero, right? heroes stop the bad guys from taking over the world so uh, curious uh, you do a lot of frequenting on the site TV tropes and you talked about different like villain cliches and stuff and one of the right. ones that I the title sticks with me is that you you talk about the complete monster right and I'm curious this evil overlordy type person is that where you find the complete monsters in the world um they can also be the next category because it does, at that point the complete monster doesn't really matter if they're world dominating or just really really bad guys like <laughs> so it, it complete monster is more just their attitude in general not just their plan you know so okay so um uh, speaking, speaking of the next one we got evil assaulter is what i call it in quotes it's basically this is a character who um, he has sometimes he has concern with the world. Um, I talk about how sometimes the evil lord can evolve into this, but like a lot of times they're just mainly focused on the main, personally on the protagonist. These are like common like slasher sort of films or like revenge films and stories. I guess not just films, so, more to life than movies. Depending on whether you think Freddy or Jason is a protagonist, right? <laughs> <laughs> One of them is the evil. No, they're both evil assaulters. I guess right. Well, well, that's, evil that's what I'm saying. Like Freddy right. Krueger in Nightmare on Elm Street series, and right, of course like, Jason in Friday the Thirteenth. Like like in Deadpool, you got Ajax slash Francis. Like he doesn't really have a Friends. plan beyond just piss Deadpool off in the half part of the movie. And like yeah, he's got the weapon, the sort of like the program to like. Is it the Weapon X program? They don't really call it that, do they? Or, uh, I believe they. 
don't call it that in terms of... But that's not really his plan. I mean, I mean, in terms of the plot of the movie itself, his only role as antagonist is to personally just piss off Deadpool, and Deadpool goes after him. So, yes, he does other evil things, but in terms of the plot of the, of that that movie is trying to tell, he's focused purely on Deadpool. So, he's a evil assaulter, is what I say. Now, that's like fair. I said, some characters evolve into this. Like Voldemort in Harry Potter, he does want to take over the world, and he didn't really care about Harry until he got killed by by the curse at the beginning that I forgot the name of. But, um, uh, Avada, Avada Kedavra. Ah, you have magic blood. You killed me. Anyway. Yeah, because dead people talk very much. Anyway. No, I'm one, also one magic, so I'm can, back. <laughs> one, one example that I just came up with, and I think I hope you agree with me on where I'm putting him. I think this is the perfect place to consider the Joker. Yes, exactly. Well, sometimes his plan is to... Like, yeah, but yeah, his plan is also involves all of Gotham, but yes, he definitely does it mainly to piss Batman off, so. Well, I mean, that's, but that's the thing, though, is that he does not care what he does to the world. It's, his goal yeah. is to see how Batman reacts. Right, he, he wants to, he views it like a dance between the two he, of them, so. He basically, he basically hones in on the one target, or, you know, anyone related to Batman. Like, even if he cases. does do anything to Gotham, it's often just to get a reaction out of Batman. Like, he doesn't really care about Gotham as a whole. Whether good or bad, like he, he, he doesn't care if he ta- if he if he destroys Gotham. It's not because he hates Gotham. It's because he hates Batman or like wants to get a reaction out of Batman. So, so. yeah. So that's a good example. Um, but yeah, I personally like the ones that like they start off as an evil overlord, but as the main character keeps thwarting them more and more and more, they become focused on this main character, right? So, sure. Uh, well, it's just nice because there's a little bit of character progression in that sense, although you might argue right. it's regression because they're, you know, trying to get rid of one thing as opposed to their original goal. Well, they but, might still have their original goal, they just also have this one. They realize that in order to conquer their main goal of taking over the world, they have to focus on this other person first because they know this this main character is going to stop him if he does And this is why Rita Repulsa only ever attacks Angel Grove and the Power Rangers. Moving on. <laughs> yes, that, that's a classic example. Almost as classic that's as hardly, the Joker. That's hardly a classic example. It's almost as classic as the Joker. Almost. Not quite. But almost. <laughs> very close. Hardly remember that classic. Time, remember that time Moving that Heath Ledger on. was in talks to play Rita Repulsa? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, right. Because Heath Ledger was totally around when they made a Power Rangers movie. Yeah, Moving he was. On. The one in 1995. <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't in the show at the time. And they wouldn't have uh, cast him to be a witch. Okay. Anyway. All right. Who knows? They cast him to be... <sighs> Moving on! <laughs> Joke aborted. Yeah. And Joker <laughs> aborted. Ugh. Oh! Uh, I'm sorry. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> next up on our list here, we got characters who... They're probably still evil. Or they might not be. At this point, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but they have good intentions. They just go too far trying to say, trying to meet them, Right. These are characters that are called the well-intentioned extremists, which is a term from TV tropes. These are like characters who want to do something good, like they, they say that, but the way they do it is evil, and the hero has to stop them. Um, so, the only the, their intentions are not evil, So, but they often go to evil measures to meet them. So, like, I think Ra's al and Batman Against is this. He's definitely an evil guy, but he, he claims to want to wipe, destroy Gotham because... Uh, he wants to, like, Dan get rid of all the corruption. corruption. kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, like, he thinks it's too far gone. We, no one can save it. These people aren't living lives. It's just it's just got to be torn down, right? But he does it in a horrifying way, and also it's not going to work. And also that's too rational. Like, we, as a whole, 
in terms of humanity is are pretty corrupt and we're all killing each other like crazy. Um, but I feel like if someone just wants to nuke all of us, that we're going to stop them. Although, to be fair, I would probably be all for it. <laughs> no, I don't know. Gee, with how many times you talked about sending ICBMs and stuff. Anyway, yeah. I... <laughs> there are there are other examples too. To use one that I was really close and near and dear to my heart. I like the example of Alistair in Kraken Time. Yeah, Ra- Ratchet and Clank, the, a crack at, the last Ratchet Lombax. I mean, if you look at his back, it's really injury. tragic. Right, it's really he tragic, makes... and so he's trying to undo the mistake he did, and so he wants yeah. to use this device, the Great Clock, as like a time machine to like undo his Spoiler mistake. Spoiler alert: It's not the purpose of the Great Clock, but he thinks he can do this. And when it turns out that the Great Clock is for a completely different purpose, that Ratchet takes it upon himself to stop his fellow Lombax and, you know, basically... Well, it's... Yeah. Make well, him... Like, and basically, if he wins, Ratchet is then basically alone in the world. There are no other Lombaxes to find. Right. Well, like, There's I think no it makes him evil. Them. Like, you could say, like, oh, well, he just doesn't know that the clock... But that the reason why he's in well, an extremist, like, he doesn't... He goes to every length to do this. Before this, he temporarily kills Ratchet trying to get this done. Yeah. And now Clank manages to bring him back only through like a, a quick temporal loop. That um but that's not to the scale that Azimuth is trying to do with like the twenty plus years of reversing. Yeah, back. you'd have to you'd have to go just, all the way back and it would, but like, it the would thing, totally Yeah. Now the, well the we, thing don't to, we don't need to spoil the plot of one of the well, greatest Ratchet and Clank games ever. You should play it if you haven't if you like that. Well series. yeah, I guess. But like just basically the point is like he is still a well to extremist and not just a guy who's misunderstood because he killed Ratchet temporarily. And that's the where the spoilers end. So so Yeah. Well and I mean, anyways and, yeah. and and to define well intentioned, like I'm watching a series I go figure, I come up with the Tokusatsu example right now. That's okay. But, I understand. Um <laughs> one of the one of the Sentai series was this series about angels who are you know defending earth it's their their duty to defend earth mm-hmm. and the main villain of that season is a former they, the term is guardian angel it uh, I, I would do the translation in japanese but it's not important right now anyway the point is that he gets in his head that he needs to take it upon himself to renew the world because as it is it's going to hell in a handbasket right and so he's the one who's going to you know, see it through a rebirth, but he's going clean slate. Mm-hmm. And so you could argue that he's a well-intentioned extremist, but, you know, part of me wants to say that this particular character, like, kind of knows he isn't even well-intentioned. He's just right. completely an extremist. And so I well, was uh, I was hesitating a little to bring up this example, but... Well, um, you know, it's still, it's still worth but the idea, But the idea of going to extremes is not not unique to this character this well-intentioned extremist however right. a well-intentioned extremist will get in your way if you have a different goal and that's why they can be such good villains in fact i think they're kind of my favorite villains to write because here's the thing yeah. you build up this character and maybe you build in some sympathy for them maybe you build in a backstory that people want to get behind and they want to root for him or her right but because their goal is directly different from the protagonist's goal, they must be stopped. And so it puts a lot more personal investment for the reader yeah. into the story. Oh, excuse me. I say reader as if it were all books. Obviously, well, we're talking about I say about sometimes Azimuth like films, like it's all movies, so we're okay. <laughs> right. But and, the and audience. To be fair, and, and to be fair, video games, you know. But, like, if we... 
like the character and they have developed into this. It's kind of fascinating. I mean, I do that like is it one too. thing about yeah. the one thing about the prequel trilogy that that view into Darth Vader's slow Star Wars conversion. prequel trilogy is what he should specify. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> sorry, I I didn't mention Star Wars, but um, uh, I thought I you know, didn't hear. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Thank you for uh, adding okay. that. Anyway, but seeing some of the decision-making that went into him becoming Darth Vader is fascinating. Obviously, before those movies came out, if you didn't live under a rock, you knew that he was going to end up being Darth Vader. And so we always know the end point, but it's really, really interesting to see how they get there. Note, this does not always work. Right. There are sometimes when prequel trilogy... Well, okay, if it's a trilogy, I suppose... But, you know, prequels in that respect can be fascinating, but it's really nice to see characters who develop so well. Maybe it's not developing for the better, like becoming more good, but it is fascinating to see. And so I really like writing this time this type of antagonist. I do like that too. Now, here's to hoping that the uh, Royal DeVille prequel isn't a prequel trilogy. <laughs> we yeah. got 98, 99, and 100 Dalmatians before we get to the 101 Dalmatians, I guess. I suppose. Another example of a well-intentioned extremist, for those of you who are playing the major hit Injustice right now, the Well, like major... I was telling you, yeah, about Injustice 2 last last time, I think. Or was it the time before? I don't remember. I think it was, I think it was last time. But, you know, mm. if you look at the Superman who has gone through all the stuff he's gone through in that universe, in that right. version, he is a well-intentioned extremist. He is very extreme, and his yes. intentions are born out of the hero that he was. Right. Like, he wants to, like, save the world. He, uh, he wants to be, do good. He wants, he wants to, to stop crime. Basically but... stop crime, right. It's just like, he goes too far by creating, like, a regime to try and stop crime before it happens. The way he's going to stop the bad guys is by making sure no one can ever become bad guys, which in which case means becoming a dictator. So Yeah, and you know, it's a. I think it's a good example of a well-intentioned extremist. The way they get there is usually wrong, and that's where the conflict comes in, right? Like right. Azimuth going so far as to kill Ratchet just to turn back the clock because, oh, well, I can undo that too, just let me do it. Right, like, we've spoiled that one enough. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I think we've you know, done it a couple other times because we've talked about Crack of Time a lot. We, that's that's the best one, in my opinion. Oh, and it's certainly that that entire that entire set, the future games, the plot was really really good. I agree. Although I anyway. think the new one on the PS4 that I'm playing so much is pretty good too. You should play it. Oh wait, you can. <laughs> How about we move on to the next type of antagonist? Oh right, right. Speaking of what you're talking about. You know, there's a character who you like rooting for, but then they end up opposing the hero. Our next one is the hero with opposing view. A good character or an anti-hero who only opposes the protagonist through conflicting ideals or viewpoints. Now, an example uh, is like Iron Man, Captain America Civil War. I guess Batman Superman kind of fall into this, except for that Lex Luthor is pulling all the strings. I mean, yes, he, there's someone pulling the strings in Captain America as well, in Civil War as well, but, and Batman but Superman is more prominent. But unlike the audience, the character only knows what they know. They're not right. om- omniscient, and so they can't really see all of the strings being pulled. Right. If it's masterfully done, that they are just being manipulated. Sometimes you don't realize that, and so people right. are pitted against each other. Um, you mentioned anti-hero, and I'm thinking that anti-heroes don't necessarily have like opposing views, but their methods are certainly different. Like well, it's kind of like a Wolverine... less extreme, well-intentioned extremist, I guess, than that post. Well, they wouldn't. Well, they wouldn't be an extremist at that rate. Well-intentioned, but... mildest. Nah, it doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work. But like Wolverine, for example, Wolverine yeah. and Cyclops go about, you know, 
doing the hero business different ways. Wolverine is unafraid to get his hands dirty because, well, because he's so good at fighting and obviously the healing factor and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Cyclops would prefer to do it most of the time, prefer to do it on the up and up and the straight and narrow kind of a thing as best you can. And, you know, eventually they come into conflict over this multiple times. Right. And it's really fascinating with comics that, you know, different creators have their stamp, their own stamp on a character that, you know, sometimes Wolverine is seen as the sympathetic one and Cyclops is the bad guy in their skirmishes, whereas the opposite has also been true. It depends depends on which way they're... Yeah, the author, and also depends on which way the author likes each character, so... Like Frank Miller... Well, and the other thing of it, too, is if you have a situation where they do change and they grow over time, like Marvel is particularly good at this. Instead of handing the title to another character, they usually, you know, keep the same characters. Right. And so like Wolverine actually developed into a guy who is doing Cyclops's role better than Cyclops was huh, nice. because of different changes in the, in the story and whatnot. And, and so, you know, this opposing view idea, it's never going to go away. Nobody is the same. You hope that there are different perspectives brought and hope that there are different expertises. And that's why I like the composition of the um, AE crew and our collaborative, but enough plugging that. I like, I like, I do like this one as well. I think it's funny, like, to, to like, um, a lot of times in like political debates, you see like a lot of them saying like, this guy is my, my good friend, but, um, you know, we disagree on these certain things. Now, whether that's always true or not is, is the case. Like, I think someone, someone was like, Someone was making fun of, I think, of that in like it was a Saturday Night Live one, I think, or like uh, about the 2008 one. I think it was Joe Biden to uh, about John McCain. We kept saying like, and this is would all. This was what they really said. Biden to McCain, or would it have been Biden to Palin? No, it was it was Joe Biden talking about McCain. Oh, talking uh, about McCain. Okay, I was but this say, wasn't like, really Joe Biden. Like... This was an SNL thing parodying the whole thing. It was like Joe Biden was like, "I love this man, but he's insane." Like, like this was this man's a great American hero who's like served us well, but we can't have him as president. No, like this is a man <laughs> that I would take a bullet for, but he is insane. Stop him, please. All right, all right. Like it's, right. I think it's funny. I think it's, yeah, it's like, I, 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 their political stuff is certainly amusing. Yeah. Anyway, so enough I'm about sure, that. But enough about SNL because I don't like talking politics. But, you know, sometimes you run into an antagonist that is not a physical character. Yeah. I mean, they are kind of... Some of them are kind of characters, but they're not like characters like the rest. Like, I'll get into that. But, like, we're talking about, like, nature and other neutral forces. Like, disasters and monstrous creatures. These are characters who aren't inherently good or bad, but just do what nature expects them to do in a way that opposes the heroes. So, like, a lot of times, like, creatures, like the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, which are characters, but they're not, like... The human characters, you know. Well, uh, the you Indominus... can't really hear them talk. Right. Well, like, the Indominus Rex, though, I don't think counts because it is very much meant to be a villain. Like, it does malicious things. It's much more malicious intent. Like, it's it's clearly a dinosaur you're supposed to root against, not just a dinosaur that you're trying to escape from. <laughs> also, like, in disaster movies, like the Twisters and Twister, the Asteroids and Armageddon and Deep Impact, although I haven't seen Deep Impact, but I'd argue in Armageddon, though, the, ar- the Asteroid is treated like a character. And that, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Armageddon, but they personify it a lot. Like, they say, like, I don't think this thing likes us. That's because we're here to kill it. It has such an interesting sort of look to it. Like, when they actually land on it, it's, like, has got a lot of weird spikes and crystals everywhere. And, like, there's, like, these gas vents that kind of make it all... One of the reasons why the nuke works at all when they drill into a nuke is because it's so geologically active. The nuke blowing up sets off a chain reaction to blow the rest of it up. Because so there's a lot of gas pockets and stuff. Now, and this makes it look, like, really 
gross looking. There's a lot of gas and stuff. A lot of times it like moans. Mm. So it's treated like a creature almost in a weird way. Sure. This asteroid. So Well, and you know, if you can personify <laughs> things and make them more inherently villainous, because obviously right. if an asteroid hits, a whole lot of people are gonna get hurt. Probably well, yeah. killed. Oh yeah, well in this one it's it's like the size of Texas and it has eighteen days until it hits, which now the size of Texas, that's like a thousand miles. Keep in mind the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs was six miles. So <laughs> Sure, that means that we're in for like three times the destruction. <laughs> Try like three trillion times. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You said the size of Texas, but I got I mixed it up with the eighteen days. My fault. Uh, anyway. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yes. Uh by the way, may I point out, like I know the fun of the movie is is not with the science stuff, but if it's that big and that close, you could see it with the naked eye. Yeah, you shouldn't have a problem picking it up. But Anyways, anyway, enough about um, again. I would well, I would mention one more very, uh, very interesting take, and this this is me. You know, I've been on a rant. Before. Okay, maybe it wasn't a rant, but like, if I like so many people getting into suits and beating up giant monsters, why don't I like kaiju movies? Right. Yeah. But it's I think because... the kaiju definitely fit here. Uh, sometimes, uh, like in generally, Pacific Rim, generally the kaiju yeah. figure. Obviously, you know, in Pacific Rim, they're they're the combatants, and so they're obviously the evil folks compared to. Well, the and also there's the people the behind them, the the make like the weird um, alien creatures that create the kaiju and send them over. Those are definitely the villains, um, right? But but uh, otherwise, you know, they'd fight anyway. Look right. at all the movies that have pitted Godzilla against other Japanese monsters. Some of they them, yeah, that, are definitely villainous. They would though. do but, that yeah, some regardless. Of them, yeah, like. But yeah, I agree with you. Some of them are definitely just creatures just doing whatever, but yeah. (laughs) And I always find it hard to connect with villains that are, you know, inherently unable to talk in your language, which is part of the reason why I argue I don't like kaiju films, but, you know, admittedly, I haven't seen many. That's why sometimes they they shoehorn in a villain to actually move against. Like Jurassic Park, you have Newman or Dennis Nedry, I guess, you know, who's the one reason why the the park starts going amok because he turns off the fences, right? Um, Right. And a lot of times in disaster movies, there's a character who always makes, like, the, the bad decisions, who ends up costing people lives, but they keep fighting the scientists. There's, like, a... a there's this um funny uh, sign at one of the marches for science that they've had recently here in America, which I'm sure you all know about, though. But the sign basically said, the start of every disaster movie is a scientist who's being ignored. <laughs> true, I thought though. that was pretty funny. I was, about to, I was about to make the joke, is that Carrie always is rolling Twister? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, yeah, this is the character. Yeah, this is a character who you're supposed to root against because the twister just isn't good enough, I guess. You can't actually root against a twister. They're just a twister. It's just nature. It's rooting against God or the weather patterns or what? Mother you, what? nature. Father yeah, exactly. time. Might as well. No, I mean, you know. So, so yeah, for, but they do that specifically to do the, address the point you're making. Sometimes it's hard for people. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Okay, so our last one, though, um, this one's kind of abstract, but um, it, it's interesting. It's definitely certain kind of stories work better with this. It's no antagonist in terms of there's no character antagonist and there's no nature antagonist. It's just the conflict of the story is purely character-driven, like romantic comedies. The conflict isn't like there's a villain that they have to stop. It's more, well, these two people get together. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on how you define antagonist. Do you define antagonist as somebody who is actively working against the protagonist because well in that case what would you call the antagonist in romantic comedy 
Just well, I just call it. I just call him a pain in the ass. But, you know. uh, yeah, that's right. See, I like romantic comedies. I grew up with three sisters, no brothers. You, who grew up with one older brother. You know, I I appreciate a good story about romance that happens to be funny. So wrong, right. I get that. But my point is this: that you know, it may not be a huge like big bad, but there's always somebody who's like, I'm oh, trying you to guys like... shouldn't be together. Right. Well, I don't know. Let's see. And, and depending sometimes on there is like the ex. Yeah, I don't know. Depending on your definition of antagonist, that does qualify. But you're right. As far as, like, an evil supervillain bent on on conquering Earth, yeah, not every story has that. Right. But how do you define... Because, like, it, it's kind of like all things must have some plot. It may not make sense, but well, it like, has yeah, a the plot. Con- the, well, yeah, conflict. Every story needs conflict. But this conflict isn't from a character. It's from events... It's from events of, like, from one particular character. It's from events about all the characters themselves. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think, like, Finding Dory is a good example. Sort of, Finding Nemo, sort of, but not quite, because there's that dentist's daughter. That's more like just a race against the time plot device sort of thing than, like... But, like, the conflict in that is is just Marlon trying to find Nemo. So, there really isn't an antagonist there. Sort of, I guess, but, like, it's more like just... As I said, it depends on how you define antagonist. Is it the little person who gets in his way from finding Nemo, like delaying him further? Or is it somebody who says, I really don't want you to find Nemo. I'm going to destroy you. Well, they do encounter jellyfish that don't talk. <laughs> but, um, uh, and they they kind of get in the way. But they're not, like, trying to actively stop them. They're just trying to escape. They have to escape from them, so, right? So I suppose, I suppose my argument here, and, and, you know, feel free to disagree, obviously, but... Um, mm. I, I don't think there exists a story where there is no analog for an antagonist. Well, yeah, like the conflict something. is some sort of antagonist, but like... Well, I don't know if the yeah. conflict itself exists as one, but like there is something in the story that makes the protagonist's job that much harder. It may well, yeah. be a character, it may be a natural event, and I think that's what you're talking about. Well, like a race like, against time kind of a thing. Well, or but, just like, yeah, like... I but know. I'd I argue think, that there's no I story more examples, without... I think there's plenty of stories where there's not one thing you could particularly call an antagonist. It's just the conflict just comes from other things. Like, I don't know. I'm That's really bad. bad at this. I read... All my stories I read and all the stories I watch and all the stories I play are all about, oh, this, there's this epic fantasy world, but oh, wait, someone wants to destroy it. <laughs> Well, I mean, cliches being what they are, that's where you find them in high fantasy and stuff. But, I mean, I just don't think that there is any form of a story where there is not an antagonist. Now, it may not be a very important person. It may not be a person at all, as I said, but there is Mm. something antagonizing. It might be based on the the conflict. But I I think that, you know, you Uh, could always find some... You could always point the finger at... Oh, hold on, I'm going to Google um, romantic comedies here, a list of them here. We're, we're so professional. Get to, we're going to get to the bottom of this. We're so All professional right. on the Ritwit. All right, Box Office Mojo, genre, scrolling down. <laughs> romantic comedy, number one, Big Fat Greek Wedding. You haven't seen this movie, have you? I've seen Big Fat Greek Wedding, I just don't remember Who, it. Who's the antagonist in that? Oh, wait, you don't remember it, so... The antagonist might be her family that keeps her from... Right, marrying a like, non-Greek person, but like less than halfway through the movie, they're for eventually her. Eventually, she does. I know. Yeah, but so. like, well, and again, with character development being what it is, I, I mean, I say that there's an, an analog for an antagonist in every story, which there should be, but I did not specify that it's always a character, an antagonist, right? right yeah, and, or even even always a character. Like it could very well be 
that it's one person at one time and someone else at a different time. Okay, here's one. Here's one. You, you've you seen this movie. I haven't. 51st Dates. It's down here on this list. Huh? Did I've seen, seen that movie and you haven't? Yeah. Have you seen that movie? Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, Amnesia. Yes. I have not seen that movie. Who's the antagonist in that? Tell me. Amnesia. <laughs> okay, fine. That's not a character. <laughs> but... I, I'm right. It's not a character, but it is an antagonist. Okay. Because they keep... They keep having to do the whole reason it's called Fifty First Dates is because he yeah loves no her I, I so get that, that I didn't realize you considered to... that the entire I guess that's true okay fine uh, let's see uh, who else is here uh, I don't know these movies I've seen or you've seen or I there's not really a lot for us two to talk about <laughs> but I think that's the point is I don't think that this truly is a very big deal it's well okay let me rephrase that mm. it's not very common to see a story that has no even minor antagonist is my right. argument uh, I don't know I think I think we can stretch it as a little I bit, said we'll as I said feel free to but... disagree although to throw it out there you know we are talking about fiction non-fiction there might just there might be things where there is no antagonist it's simply a race against time like when it, when a mother loses her child well oh, expecting mother loses her child through a yeah, every time a mother well, another time a mother loses her child it's not because Hitler kidnapped them so Right. Who is a very a very nonfiction antagonist? Yes. Yeah, so. There's no antagonist there. A miscarriage right. is a natural thing. It's unfair. Well, if you're okay, if you're saying that amnesia is the antagonist in Fifty First Dates, <laughs> the miscarriage is just the it is itself could be the antagonist. Or you're like right. the, Whatever happened in the body that made the miscarriage happen could be the antagonist. You're, I yes, as I said, it depends on how you define antagonist. But as yeah. I said, I call it an analog. For an antagonist, I don't necessarily okay. agree. I don't necessarily. I think, think that we're. It's a bad I think we're. Character. Okay. Well, this at this point we're getting to, ugh, like I, 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 we may be better than you listeners, but I uh, this is too much for me. I think we should. This is too complicated. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with being abstract? No, um, uh, I do want to. I no, do want to add one. Linear. <laughs> ah, no, okay. Fine. I do. I do want to add one note, uh, separate from the no antagonist thing, and that is. There's nothing wrong with having more than one antagonist. Mm-hmm. However, if you're going to write more than one antagonist, you should try and give them equal, you know, at least development. Maybe not screen time, yeah. but development. So well, that they I, aren't I've just always, a throwaway character. Right. I've always found multiple antagonists, though, a little bit... It's it's difficult. Like, there's a lot of superhero oh, movies. <clears throat> Spider-Man 3, <clears throat> basically Spider-Man 2, that ruin it. Like, uh, yeah, Right. And when you have to balance all these things... Like, it's really tough, um, especially if or, they're like they're all antagonized one character for a different reason. Then that makes it the plot kind of muddled. Like, absolutely. One so, of the let's see. Sorry, I'm going back to Sentai again. The thirtieth <laughs> Sentai show was a was you know honoring the history of that had come before. And uh, for those of you who are curious, it's called Gogo Sentai Bokinger, and they they are. Using you can spell that out treasures. for us. Not not now, but you can, uh, just give it to me later, and I'll edit it into the podcast description. <laughs> B o u k e n g e r Bokenger. Anyway, uh, I was have, not writing that down, but okay. <laughs> it's on the recording. You can do it later. And yeah. you okay. have they have at one time four different villain factions active at the same time. It is so crazy. It is so impossible to keep track. So all of these characters get short shrift. It basically turns into, oh, look, this person's taking his turn now. This person is taking her turn now. And it's not well, good for the story. Well, I mean, I guess so it depends on the kind of story. Like, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but it seems like that's how that is. There's all these different characters who are all morally ambiguous or morally just corrupt. And they're all just 
trying to get well, something. Well, they're they're fighting something. against each other, I suppose. But yeah, like, so. and it, it does depend on the type of story. It does depend on how good you are at writing them. But my point is this: if you're going to have more than one antagonist, don't go overboard. Right. But there's nothing wrong with having more than one. In fact, it's probably better mm-hmm. because that way you because that way there are distinct kinds of threats that are being presented to the antagonist, particularly in fantasy and stuff, right? Where that that is really valuable to the story. Well, yeah, I feel like though if you have multiple antagonists or multiple antagonist factions, you should make sure, like, just to make it sure not keep it too muddled. Make sure one of them is shown as clearly the most important one. Like the one, the, the the one the plot is trying to focus on the most. The other ones might be just more like world building, or like ones that the that the main evil faction hires temporarily. I don't know. So, and this is why you only write one main big bad in your stories, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, moving on. Okay, so, to be, uh, to be fair, okay, going speaking from my experience in writing fan fiction, usually this is exhibited in how there's a leader and there are like generals in the same villain right. faction. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily mean multiple factions, but I do mean more than one character. Right. Because that way there's interaction to be mined, there are different methods to be explored, there are very valuable story things to take from it's not just one person all the time the same way fighting Mm -hmm. the character in the same fashion. Because that gets repetitive and boring. Yeah, it's it's always nice to make it fresh. But if you have villains that, you know, play off each other and build just like the protagonists do, it's not only more fun to write, it's more fun to, you know, consume as a a viewer, listener, reader, whatever. Player, yeah. (laughs) Player, thank you. I I don't know why I forgot that one. Uh, That's my advice. Don't overload it, but you should not just rely on one true antagonist and even even right. donald over there has not relied on one true antagonist well right like yeah. they work like, together but they are different characters and that's that's what well, i'm definitely far, yeah. recommending right yeah well i don't know well, well and just basically throughout all this just find what works for you like the final thoughts i have here is that just when writing a story figure out which kind of these which of these different types of antagonists works for your story like any of them could work like honestly, any story can have any of these types of villains. I think. Anyways. I'd argue a romance comedy couldn't have an evil overlord. Depends on the romantic comedy. <laughs> Is it a space opera? If it's on new, Earth, though. All right, new challenge for me. I'm gonna write a romantic comedy with an evil <laughs> overlord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no! This this elf needs to hook up with this hot female dwarf. But oh wait, the in laws oh, are coming in. Oh yeah, God. and also there's an evil overlord that's gonna do his dragon army to take over the world. He won't make it to dinner in time. Find out what'll happen on Elf. Don't Elf it up. There we go. That's the name of it. <laughs> That's the name of this romantic comedy I'm going to write with an with a Obi Lore. Anyways, just basically <laughs> find which one of these works for you. This isn't this whole point of this episode isn't talked about like how to write specific ones. Just like just to help you know what kind of villain you would want. Like find which one intrigues you. Find which one fascinates you. Find which one you you want to avoid. I don't know. Just just think about it, listeners. Like. It's up to you. Absolutely. Like we're just trying to help you. I mean, if you want if you want advice from us on how to write a certain kind of villain, please, by all means, go ahead and use the website or where oh, whichever for God means you're, you're doing that segue thing. <laughs> like the uh. And you should send us an email at the uh, web address that you find there, and that is for those of you who aren't looking at it right now. Matt, you're trying to make this D a natural segue. I refuse. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to make 
MatthewDonaldCreator.com. I've got a specific finger I'm holding up here. (laughs) I refuse to make a natural segue. It's got to be clashing. What's wrong with a natural segue? I don't like it. It's got to clash. It's got (laughs) to... It's got to come out of nowhere. That's How can people get planning. a hold of us? This it's is called how... good planning. Shut up! No. <laughs> it's uh. called good planning. You talked about not telling you how to write characters. We're not really telling you how to write characters, but if you'd like to get our advice on that exact thing, please send us. Or an email. other questions you might have for us. You have this email. Absolutely. So email if you Matt have D. episode, if you have episode ideas, you know we'd love to have those because you know right, we've like, come up with all this content so far, but. Hey, we want to know what you guys want to hear about. And if there's something we can do, we'd love to make that happen. And our listenership is growing daily or monthly, I guess, technically. Well, you we may, should... they do measure it in months, but it probably is growing by day. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, hopefully we'll get some emails now. I dread our first email. Yeah, like, no, I'm a, I'm this a, show this sucks. Time. What are you guys doing? Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> it's going to happen. I like, oh, by the way, um, I like Matt David better. Uh, Matt Donald can die in a fire. And I'd be like, oh, and you'd be like, yes. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say yes, but, you know, anyway. But, yeah, and, any any questions, comments, Rotten Tomatoes that you can't actually send through email? Ha, ha. Ha, ha. <laughs> uh, if I don't miss postal service mail, you never know. <laughs> you never know when you might get, like, a bomb or, like, just <laughs> A, a, a bit of they crap. Do a pretty good, they do a pretty good job of screening that stuff in this day and age, I think. But anyway. Yeah. Any... Uh, so yeah. Email us at mattdonaldcreator.com. I'm not going to spell it out because it's going to be in the description. And the yeah, and we've, and we've already spelled it out on like seven Multiple times. We've always so... messed it up. I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> no. We don't need to do it anymore. Also, of course, if you're interested in following uh, Matt Donald, you've got the official accounts and stuffs on social medias and whatnot. Right. So please go At ahead and Matthew tell us Donald more. Creator for Facebook. Buy my book, by the way. I mean, I guess you don't have to. Do whatever you want. But my book, Megazoke, is on Amazon. And, and if you go to the right I, library, you could check it out. Oh, well, only at one library right now, so it doesn't really. The, if you're at the so. right library. Okay, fine. If you guys happen to be at the Highlands Ranch Library in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. It's there. Deep in the But if you're mountains. not, sucks to suck, I guess. <laughs> or you could just spend your hard-earned money on on it on Amazon, Kindle, and print. I'm doing Absolutely. a really great job selling this book, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> They're selling like hotcakes. Everyone is just lining up because of how nicely I'm asking them to, <laughs> to support my art. Death threats totally count as nice. Anyway. I haven't so, sent any of them. Well, wait, no, I did, didn't I? Oh, You sent, you sent that to me. I don't know about your listeners. You're, anyway. I do that because I love you. You're special. Oh, <laughs> thanks. So special that he wants to kill me after every podcast. Well, anyway. Yep. Anyways. All right, so you can also follow my Twitter at MatthewDom64. Why 64? Because, I gotta let you know the secret, I'm actually the 64th Matthew Donald clone in a line of Matthew Donald clones seated throughout the world by our future alien overlords for unknown purposes. We've all do different things. I'm pretty certain Matthew Donald 63 is a crack smuggler. Uh, I don't know. Good lord. Um, Good lord. Matthew Donald 65 I hear is a fun party guy. Maybe he knows Matthew Donald 63. That's why he's such a fun party guy. What does that have anything to do? I I would think it would be 69 that would be... Oh, I knew you were going to do that! (laughs) I knew that. Oh. <laughs> oh, forgive uh, our childish sense of humor, listeners. Uh, anyway, 
Let's just uh, end this thing, and I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> no, just... no, 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 no. See, now he's now he's literally given death threats to just about everybody. I just want blood on my hands, whether it's yours or mine or the world's. <laughs> well, okay, just to throw that out, if you send something over here, like you've talked about doing, how would you get blood on your hands? It's metaphorical, dumbass. <laughs> oh, okay, you weren't being literal. I figured because you were talking about yourself that it was. Anyways, uh, listeners, well, <laughs> that is more about types of antagonists. Obviously, we antagonize each other quite a lot, don't you think? Oh, yeah. But uh, please, if you've got feedback for us, questions, concerns, uh, things that we can help you with, we'd love to. Contact us. We told you how to do until that. Until then, until I'm then, Matt Donald. And I'm Matt David. Us two twits who talk about ridding have just about twitted ourselves out. So <laughs> I don't feel better than you listeners anymore. I feel... Really? Well, we may, be, we may be a part-time barista and a traveling, uh, working abroad music major, but we are still better than you. You so are still time, better listeners. than me, I think. I'm... I don't know why okay, I'm so that down, de- honestly. I just that I guess it depends on what you mean I'm by my, better. I am my own antagonist, is what I think. <laughs> hey, Anyways. that you know, that's <laughs> a final throw-in. That is really good. <laughs> We're not continuing the episode. I'm not talking about antagonists that are yourself. <laughs> personal antagonist. Look it up. It's a great thing. You should. We'll use do it an episode of it later. Characters. But until then, peace out. <laughs> Get out of here. Just, All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk with you next time on another episode of The Ritwit, where us two twits talk about ridding. Oh, another flawless episode. (laughs)